on grinding out the win, we have Ollie here, the MD, and Rachel, our consultant. So you both were heavily involved in your selective sports and competing at high levels. Ollie, you competed in first grade AFL, and Rachel, you represented Australia for surf and pool lifesaving. Describe what it's like balancing these sport commitments with your personal and work life. What would be the average day look like? My average day, so say in year 12, um, I would wake up at 4.20 in the morning, go to drive half an hour, go to swim for two hours, shower at the pool, go to school, and then come back to the pool and then do homework and then train for another two hours and then I wouldn't get home till about 8 o'clock at night. So that happened about five days a week and then train Saturday rest day Sunday so it was pretty full on for me mm, sounds like it <laughs> mine was a little bit different I came uh, to that high level of football a bit later uh, through more needing an outlet from work which gave me an opportunity to escape it all but you know go out there and try and achieve something try and work on a craft in a way it wasn't quite as serious as work but had a lot of you know, commitment and discipline to it as well. So my days, you know, with the conditioning component of football, I suppose, you know, before work each day, I'd go either do some running or at the gym. Uh, what was a major challenge when balancing first grade AFL and life-saving for you, Rachel, with work and personal commitments? I think the biggest challenge was definitely trying to get the assignments and trying to get training in as well. So really separating work like work or school work from my training so really when you get into the pool you kind of have to leave everything behind and outside of the pool and then when you're at home you need to like not focus on training and stuff but then put away effort into school so I think definitely the biggest challenge was just trying to I guess have a routine and stick to it. Yeah, I think my challenge was more around trying to run the business at the same time. I couldn't just sort of get up and go to training like 100% uh, to make sure I structured my day. Probably a little bit like what Rachel was talking about. Like I needed to structure my day in a way that meant everything would definitely be done by a certain time. So that meant I had to come in earlier or I had to schedule my week in certain ways. I had to be strong to that. If I didn't prioritise that or look at creative ways to schedule different things in then things would just come in on top of training that wouldn't lead me to where I wanted to be for sure in regards to other commitments I don't think I really struggled with that really because I just kept strong boundaries with it and I mean in all honesty what else are you going to do on a Tuesday or Thursday night if you've got work the next day it actually worked out it actually helped me prioritize my own well-being outside of work as well because it gave me something I had to be ready and gone for by a certain time on those evenings as well. So you guys really talked about how you use boundaries, prioritisation, like structuring a day. Did you use any other strategies to make sure that you had enough time and effort was placed in all areas, such as like your family and friends and work and sport? I think really just uh, keeping to a routine was just a huge strategy for myself. I think at the start of the week, I'd plan out what I needed to do. So I knew when I was training and then I'd say, especially going into uni after high school, was where I found probably really tough because uni was so flexible compared to high school. So I think routine was definitely just a huge strategy for me in planning out and having a calendar up on my wall to kind of tell me what I'm doing and 
times that I need to do my assignments and all yeah. I have in my reminders and stuff. Mm. A lot of the people I was friends with were also playing footy, so you know, pre and post training was a good opportunity to sort of catch up and have a laugh. So you can sort of do two things at once there as well. That helped a lot. And then sort of just reminding yourself continuously why you were doing it, what you wanted to get out of it, and what opportunities you were preparing yourself for through those sacrifices helped you remember why you were doing it, when there was those other pressures or stresses that came along with it as well. And again, if you set up those boundaries early, then people know that you've got certain things on at certain times and you're committed to those things so if they want you involved don't schedule them for that time mm-hmm. and if you're clear with that and consistent with that then it helps those around you as well which sounds quite selfish but it's all going to work each way and with all these like responsibilities and commitments did, was your mental health impacted at all and if so how did you deal with this my mental health was more impacted just in i say the sports side of things because i used to overthink a lot of my competitions and my training whereas in terms of like the work-life balance I don't think my mental health was too impacted but then also with like say uni and my schoolwork, it allowed me to take that time away from the pool where I did overthink about competitions and all that and I could focus on a different aspect of my life and be excited for I guess my future in that so I think I just tried to find the positives in every situation that I was in. I was a bit of a double-edged sword because I used footy, as I said earlier, to uh, reset myself and for my own mental well-being and those sorts of things. I got myself into trouble and I definitely wouldn't call it a mental health issue. I'd say I experienced some level of stress when I got way too competitive with my footy and then winning and losing, you know, when you had a hard day at work or a hard week at work and then you lost footy and then another hard week at work and maybe lose again. That was when it sort of became a bit of a double-edged sword because you then start to get so stressed and want to fix it so much that it sort of went from being a good opportunity to relax, or not so much relax, but a good opportunity to get away from the office to being another thing you're working on. That was the only time I ever sort of got undone a little bit with that. You had to sort of pair it back, remind yourself again what you're trying to do about it and that you're only competing in it because you enjoy that. You can refocus on those elements as well. Lastly, before the break, how did you guys deal with like the pressure that you may have put on yourself or others around you, such as like family or friends or like your coaches, to deal with it all and to like be able to fulfill all your commitments? I think I know I can definitely talk, like think of a specific situation that especially happened to me at the start of last year when uni started to get quite full on and then I was also working and I was one of the I guess leaders in my swimming group where people did look up to me and I was expected to be at training and my coach had pulled me aside one time and was like you're not there enough and I think to really the biggest challenge of that was because I couldn't be there enough for the team but then I had my work at home and uni I just needed to communicate with him what it was I needed and with that it kind of made it things a little bit better but he was be, he was able to support me a bit more because I communicated with him what other stresses I guess were happening in my life in terms of work and and all those extra commitments that I had on top of swimming. I don't think I dealt with it that well. I think I struggled a bit with that and especially in a team sport, expectation on others as well would be something that I'd struggle communicating with and struggle trying to express 
that component. Pressure from other people never concerned me because I was the one that put the most pressure on myself and an exceedingly amount that, you know, to again get myself because I wasn't the best player by any stretch. I wasn't the most physically able by any stretch of the line to do what well, put pressure on myself to do everything right in preparation. So pressure from others was never an issue. It was myself and then probably again needing that time to just reflect on where I had come from to where I was in and reminding the progress I had made to then re-energize myself to make the next step. And of course winning makes everything better. Thanks for both sharing. We're gonna take a quick break now. Welcome back to episode 12 of Psych Up. I'm here with Ollie and Rachel. For you guys, what does work-life balance mean for you? Work-life balance for me is being able to prioritise, you know, certain things in both your work and your life to increase your mental well-being and help support you during that. I was to put too much work into my work-life, then I wouldn't be able to, I guess, get a sense of satisfaction in my personal life so it's really just about choosing the right things that I need to do for myself in both aspects to feel satisfied with myself. I think work-life balance is different for everyone depending on what you're hoping to get out of life and what you deem as being important obviously to yourself but then also the systems you operate in such as like your friendship group and family group and all those sorts of things as well. For me work-life balance is all about having different focus points happening and you know balancing the relative importance you place on them and, and changing that in and out depending on how each one is going so if work is really a struggle at the moment then are you getting you know prioritizing or making sure you're balancing that with some other areas of your life like maybe your health fitness or your family and trying to get some progress and wins there to help buoy that self-esteem and confidence as well I think when we over-focus on one area of our life, that works really well when things are going well, but life doesn't let things go well all the time. And when we've got struggles in that area, if we don't have other things that can help, say, dilute that focus or buoy our sense of purpose, well-being and achievement, then we can get a bit beaten on that. So for me, again, yeah, work-life balance is having multiple focuses that you can sort of bring in and out of perspective or clarity to ensure you're working hard but also good, getting some good self-worth out of other areas as well. What is the company culture like at Veritas and does this help the employees maintain this work-life balance? The company culture at Veritas is very supportive, especially going through the past two years of working here and doing uni. They've been really, I guess, flexible in terms of letting myself take time off if I need to focus on my studies, such as during exams or whether I have a big assessment period coming up. What can companies do to like enhance this company culture, like strategies that they can put in to make sure like their culture supports a balance? A good work-life balance. Very dependent on the industry, very dependent on the business, size of business, location, all those sorts of things. And then obviously also the people that work within your business as well. So everyone's going to come and come with their own experiences, their own expectations, their own priorities in life, their own meanings and purposes. So 
it's hard to have a one one rule fits all for work-life balance. You can't just say we're only going to work nine to five, eight hours a day, because for some people that might not be enough. You also then can't expect people to work work 24 hours a day because for others they've got other things going on. So I think it's being able to have that flexibility for people to fit work into their lifestyle and concentrating more on results than opposed to hours worked is a, is a first protocol. I think then as well is having an understanding that, particularly for you, if you're in a high-pressured industry, that people are going to need other areas in their lives and pursuits in those areas to help re-energize them each day. So if you're taking time away from those areas, you're slowly going to be withdrawing more from your staff and depositing into your staff as well. And that's not going to last forever. So allowing staff to, you know, feed work in and around certain other life commitments, not all life commitments, because at the end of the day we're going to get things done, but allowing them to integrate those two components in the long term is actually going to serve you better because your people are going to remain motivated, energised and healthy for longer. If you're just about trying to get more out of staff, you're going to burn them out. So look to be creative with your staff, and this is easier obviously for smaller businesses than larger businesses, but look to be creative with your staff and prioritise with them those other components of their life as well because even though it might seem like a distraction from work, it's actually going to help your business long term because it's going to keep them energised, healthy and motivated for longer. Okay, great. And last question for both of you. What like strategies or like recommendation, recommendations in general for individuals who are trying to stay healthy while they are pursuing like a major task in their life? I think a huge thing is to really just, if you're feeling like you are getting to that point where everything is becoming too much and as Ollie mentioned before, you are starting to feel some, I guess, symptoms of burnout, it's really just taking a step back and knowing and understanding what it is you're doing at that time and seeing what you can do to, I guess, space it out a bit more. So, for instance, if uni is getting too much for you, like, how can you divide that time up? Do you need to go back to part-time so you can focus on other time, like other aspects of your life? And just as stepping back and evaluating what it is that you need to do and writing it down so you can see in front of you what you are doing and what are the best next steps for you. I think I'll give two parts of this answer. I think whenever you get that feeling of overwhelmment, like how am I ever going to fit all this into this time frame or how am I ever going to get through all this work or balance this and that, rather than just panicking and panicking for panic's sake and trying to panic through it, actually stop, as Rachel has said, take a deep breath and it, and then try and compartmentalise and break down everything there in front of you into manageable chunks. And it might be as simple and seemingly silly as getting a piece of paper and a pencil and writing things out, all the different things you've got to do, and then making a bit of a priority list. So what's due now, what's due later, what's important and what's not important. And creating two sort of, you know, continuums in that factor so you end up with quadrants. And if you can place everything in your life, what's happening for you in that moment in one of those four quadrants, so important and due later, or important and due immediately, or not important due later, not important due now. You can work between what you might need to delegate, what you need to focus on, what you can just forget about and give yourself some permission to just forget about because it's not important or it's not necessary, uh, and the things that you can sort of get through rough and ready and what you need to be 
you know, putting a little bit more impetus on and, and focusing in quality. So that would be one thing, because you can break things up and it often seems a little bit more manageable. 100%, take away the off and off that, it will definitely seem a little bit more manageable and you realize you're probably panicking about something not as big or as worry-worthy as you originally thought. The second thing I think is never move away from the understanding that perfection is unrealistic. Perfection is actually the thief of progress so that you're always willing to learn. So if you're always willing to learn, then setbacks, whether that be losses on the field, whether that be setbacks at work, whether that be whatever it might be, as long as you've learned something from that, which is going to help you improve, then it wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a bad pitch at work it wasn't about anything it was an opportunity to get better and you can utilize that if you don't allow yourself to be fallible then you're going to be scared of mistakes and if you're scared of mistakes you'll never take risks and if you don't take risks you just simply won't win so allow yourself to be fallible allow yourself to learn approach that with curiosity and understand that even the champions lose races lose games but they learn from them and if you can do that, then you're going to take a lot of the undue pressure that you place on yourself, which I know is hypocritical to say, considering five minutes ago I just said I put the most pressure on myself out of anyone. But if you can do that, you're going to take a lot of that perceived pressure and high stakes environment that we put on ourselves when really, you know, there's only certain times when you have to get things right. So just making sure you're keeping that mindset relatively front of mind when you're trying to improve is really important. Alright, thanks for both of you sharing, that was great, and that was episode 12 of Psych Up.